The first Bible reading is Matthew 21, 1 to 11, page 9 to 88. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Continuing on at verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what is done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Well, five chapters now. Jesus has been going up to Jerusalem. Going up to Jerusalem to be given all authority. And how's he been travelling? Walking. Walking the whole time. But as he's about to enter this city and be given all authority, he decides he needs to make a grand entrance. A grand entrance that really says who he is, that says power and glory and authority. I feel like when Aladdin needs to enter the city and wants to impress the princess and marry her, and so the genie cooks up a, a huge elephant. Do you remember? And there are all these animals dancing everywhere and playing music because they need to show his glory and power. 
Well, Jesus is onto it. He's got a plan. Verse 1, he sent two disciples, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey. Untie them and bring them to me. And he sat on the donkey. A donkey? Surely a chariot or a war horse or one of those litter things where the fancy person sits and the other people carry. That says ruler, doesn't it? What does a donkey say when someone's riding a donkey? I think it says loser. Don't you reckon? A donkey. Why does Jesus choose a donkey? Because God did when he promised this king. Verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, to Jerusalem, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. As God's people were waiting for God's kingdom, Zechariah says, Look, he's coming, coming, riding on a donkey. And so Jesus, without saying anything as he enters Jerusalem, he speaks through this donkey. You see the donkey I'm riding on? I am your long-awaited king. But it's not just the donkey that speaks, is it? It's the crowds. These crowds that are there, they're not from Jerusalem. They're not coming out of the city. They're not seeing him approach. They are coming to the city. These are the pilgrims. And a very large crowd, verse 8, spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees. This is Palm Sunday. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You might think this is sort of weird. Australians wouldn't do this sort of thing. But this is normal for the Jews. They're going up to Jerusalem, to the temple. It's Passover. And you call out to one another the words of the Psalms, the ascent Psalms, the going up Psalms. And here are the words. But it's obvious, isn't it, that they're not just saying them because they do this every year. They see Jesus, they spread their cloaks on the road, and they cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road, and they call out, Hosanna, praise because he saves to the son of David. These are the pilgrims coming up, but it's also the people who've been following Jesus for the last chapters. The lepers that he's healed. The two blind men, do you remember at the end of chapter 20, who he healed. They're following Jesus. They've been saved by Jesus and they see that he is the king. And so it's not just Zechariah 9, but Isaiah 35 said that the rescued of the Lord will come with the king singing into the city. The donkey says, I'm your king. The crowd say, I'm your king who saves you. But do you see what sort of king he is? When I was in Jordan a couple of years ago with my son Isaac, we went to a place called Jerash. It's a huge Roman ruins, massive. And at the front of these Roman ruins is this massive arch. 
This stone arch that is twice as tall as this building, which had huge wooden doors. What was it built for? Because the emperor was coming one day and he needed to make a grand entrance to go through. That was its complete purpose. One day and it's still standing. And do you reckon he came in on a donkey? Not a chance. A chariot. I presume, to show his all authority, his power, his glory. But God chose, Jesus chose a donkey. There are so many leaders, aren't there, in the world that we are so cynical about. They're just after their own power and their own glory. That's political leaders. It might be the leaders in your workplace. It might be your boss. It might be your teachers. There might even be people in your family who are like that, leading the family and squashing people. How good is it that our king chose to ride a donkey? Am I just making it up about donkeys here? No, it says it in verse 5. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. He's the sort of king who would make his grand entrance on a donkey. He's the sort of king who would enter knowing that he's going to be killed. He's the sort of king that you can trust. Is there something you're struggling to trust him with? Is there something you're struggling in your life to trust him with and obey him with because you don't want to miss out? He's the sort of king you can trust. God's gentle king. But what's he come to do? Well, believe it or not, it wasn't unheard of in those days for kings to ride a donkey, at least amongst the Jews. When David has won the civil war against his son Absalom and he's returning to Jerusalem, he rides a donkey and enters Jerusalem because he hasn't come in war, he's come in peace. Jesus here has come to bring peace. That's what Zechariah 9 says. What sort of peace? There's this inner peace or peace defeating the Romans. Well, he doesn't go to the meditation centre and he doesn't go to the Roman garrison to kick him out. Where does he go? Verse 12, he goes to the temple. He's come to bring peace with God. Mind you, what he does in the temple is hardly peaceful, is it? Picture it for a moment. He entered the temple courts, verse 12, drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. If you'd been there that day and went home to your family and they said, what was it like at the temple today? Ordinary day at the office? Do you think they would have said, yeah, nothing much happened? Peaceful, was it? No. Is Jesus bringing peace here? Yes, he is. He is bringing peace between God and people. What is the temple about? It's about God being with people. It's about the sacrifices that bring forgiveness. It's about praying to God and God hears them. And Jesus goes there and needs to bring peace by clearing the way for peace. There's the temple courts, the way into the temple. And what's happening? They are buying and selling. But people can't get in there to pray because there's too much commerce going on. And so he clears out the temple. That's what he's doing. Giving access to God. 
It's the same thing in verse 14. You might have noticed that bit before. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Why? Because he's come to clear out the temple and include people. Were the blind and the lame going into the temple? No. They're excluded. But Jesus has come to bring access. And it's not that he's somehow fixing the temple, reforming the temple. I think you can bet your bottom dollar, next week the buyers and the sellers are back. There are more blind and lame people who can't get in. He is not fixing the temple, but he is showing what he's come to do. The donkey speaks, the crowd speaks, and what Jesus does in the temple speaks. He's God's gentle king who's come to bring peace. Who has he brought this peace for? Well, the little children can see it. Verse 15. The little children, do you remember? The kingdom of God belongs to people like them. And they call out, Hosanna to the son of David. God's gentle king has come to bring peace with God to those who are like little children. And in his kingdom, the blind and the lame will be healed. How good is that? Do you see how good Jesus is? And you see how good what he's come to do is. He's come to bring peace. But let's be honest, Jesus is not gentle all the way through this passage, is he? He's not gentle in the temple. He drives out those buying and selling. I don't think he walked up to them and said, do you mind, we're just sort of in the way here. Could you just sort of move along? No, I think he pushed them out of the way. He makes a whip, I think it says in one of the other Gospels, and drives them out. He overturns the tables. Have you ever done that? Have you seen someone do that? It is not gentle. You can't do it in a gentle way. It is violent. You'd only do it if you were angry. And he's angry, all right. You can tell it by his words. My house will be called a house of prayer, it says, but you are making it a den of robbers. What's he so angry about? We need to see here that he's angry, don't we? Because we have this image of Jesus that he never gets angry, that he never feels angry, and that he never gets angry. And some of us are comfortable with that because we've grown up thinking that you should never get angry and that you should never show your anger. Do you think that? Is that true? Jesus makes it really clear here that it's not true, doesn't he? Sometimes it's right to be angry and it's right to express your anger. What is it that he's angry about? I don't think he's so much angry at the sellers for he drives out the buyers as well who have no choice of where to buy, they go where the sellers are. It's not that he's angry so much with the buyers and the sellers. They needed to change their money and to buy their animals for sacrifice. The sellers needed to make a living. The problem is the location, of course, it's in the temple, stopping people entering peace with God. But who's he angry with? Who's responsible Who's accountable for letting this happen? Well, the people responsible, no. They pick it up, verse 15. 
When the chief priests and teachers of the law saw what he did and heard the children, they were indignant because it was against them. Jesus is the righteous king who gets angry and he gets angry at corrupt religious leaders. What are these people like? They don't care about God. They don't care about people and they are very happy to exploit their position and to exploit the devoted. They don't even listen to what God says. Do you notice verse 16? Have you never read, Jesus says. They should have read. They ignore what God says and they simply want to rip off people. Now, does that sound familiar? Are there religious leaders today who are like that? We hear about them all the time in the media, don't we? Church leaders who use their position to exploit people, who use their authority to get money, power and sex because they ignore what God says. And it makes our community furious. And rightly so. And it ought to make us furious. Why? Because it makes Jesus furious. He's so furious about this that he's still furious the next day. The next day he passes a fig tree. And it's a weird incident, isn't it? He passes a fig tree. He sees that there are leaves. He seems to expect figs, goes over, finds no figs, and lets the fig tree have it. Now, you might be really into figs, and you're not very comfortable with this. You might be into just trees generally, and you are not comfortable with this. You might just think nature deserves to be left alone, and you're not very comfortable with this. Well, we need to realize that Jesus actually owns nature. And the fact that he curses a fig tree is no big deal. And he's got a good reason for doing it. He sees the fig tree with leaves. And I know nothing about fig trees, but apparently when it has leaves, it's supposed to have fruit. It wouldn't be ripe yet, but you can eat it. The leaves say fruit. And so Jesus approaches the tree. There are signs of life and he rightly expects Fruit. Does that remind you of someone? The religious leaders who have all the trappings of listening to God and being an authority for God and have no fruit. And Jesus wants his disciples to get it. That the kingdom has been taken away from them and will be given to someone else. That this tree will bear no more fruit. He wants his disciples to know that he is angry and he's going to do something about it. And I reckon we should be really glad about that. Because getting angry about something that is wrong is right. And doing something about something that is wrong is right. And isn't it good news that Jesus is going to punish those who are church leaders who exploit people. Have you ever had one of those conversations where your non-Christian friend or family member or neighbour is is talking about those church leaders 
who have exploited children. And they're going on and on about it. And they are really angry about it and ripped off. And you're just not sure how to respond. It's awkward because you feel like they're attacking you. It's awkward because you're not sure how you're supposed to feel about it. It's awkward because you don't know whether to agree or disagree. Well, what does Jesus show you here? Jesus wants you to agree because he does. And he wants you to tell people that Jesus feels exactly the same way. In fact, he understands it better and he is more angry about it than they are and he is going to do something about it. I reckon this would be a good story to tell them about, wouldn't it? God's gentle king who brings peace with God, God's righteous king who condemns corrupt religious leaders. This is a really good intro to the series, not surprisingly. For in this series, Jesus is going to receive all authority. And on the way, he's going to keep on clashing with these corrupt religious leaders and he's going to keep on declaring that they will be judged. And he's going to do it again and again so that they will plot to kill him. And then they will kill him. And he will do that because he's the gentle king who's come to save us. It's a great intro to the series. And it's a great intro, a great place to start for this year. What does Jesus say when he receives all authority at the end of Matthew's gospel? Therefore, make disciples. Make disciples. Connect and share Jesus with people. Mature and serve together. And this year, 2020, we're talking about looking out to our community so that we can share Jesus with our community. So it's really striking here. Have a look at verse 10. When Jesus comes in and says, here I am, your king comes to save you. And when he in the temple, when he condemns corrupt religious leaders for he's the righteous king, how does the city respond? Verse 10, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The whole city was stirred. It's a really weak translation. Stirred sounds like what you do with your tea. It's not stirred, it's shaken. The whole city was shaken. It's the word for the whole city was earthquake. For the word is seismic. Have you heard that word? We'll get the word seismograph and all that. This is shaken. The whole city is shaken. Just like the land is shaken when Jesus dies on the cross. Just like the tombs are shaken when he rises from the dead. The whole city was shaken because the events were so extraordinary. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we so believed that Jesus was the gentle king and the righteous king, and we so lived it out, and we so talked about it this year, that our community, that the people you and I know, were shaken, were seismic, and they asked, who is this Jesus? Wouldn't that be great? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus is so extraordinary. He is such a great king. We praise you that he's a gentle king. He come to save us. 
We praise you that he's a righteous king and come to judge. Help us to see that over this term and to see it again and again and to praise him. And Father, we want to see people in our community asking this question, who is this Jesus? Father, we pray that you would answer our prayers and that people would be shaken.